0: Hey Church Home, I am so excited to share with you part four in our series here in February, Black History Month here in the United States of America. This is our final installment on the subject of the image of God. I hope by now you've been able to join us for the entire series. It has been so encouraging, transforming, enlightening. Um, I hope that it has caused incredible conversation amongst your friends, family, loved ones. And uh, I'm just so grateful for the story of Jesus and how it helps us think in ways, in terms, and in the magnitude that only the scripture can and the story of Jesus can. I do wanna to stop too and thank my dear friend, Dr. Jamar Tisby for being with us for this entire series. And what you may not know is that Dr. Tisby and I together, along with Time and Haskins who serves on our doctrine committee have been putting these sermons together as a team and it has been exhilarating. And certainly I have learned so much and continue to learn. I. Um, I I don't want to overstate. I know I'm given to exaggeration. I know I'm given to overstating because that's kind of oftentimes what preachers like to do. But my personality kind of lends itself to that. But I want to make a statement um, before we go any further in this fourth and final installment of this series on the image of God. And that is... um, It has occurred to me that what we are about to wade into together in the form of a couple of passages of Scripture in 2 Corinthians uh, might be some of the most important um, communication, some of the most important uh, concepts we have ever exchanged here at Church Home when it comes to walking with Jesus and looking like Jesus and loving like Jesus. So we are going to jump in. I love where Dr. Tisby ended. Uh, part three of our series, talking about really focusing on Jesus. Jesus is the express image of God. Anytime you hear image of God, I hope immediately you associate it with the person of Jesus. I want to remind you that Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. That is to say, Jesus is the fullness of the expression of God in earth oftentimes things are so abstract in this life. People are like, well, how do I know what to do or who to love or who to care for, where to spend my money or where to go? It's like, you look at Jesus. There's not supposed to be a cloud. It's not supposed to be colluded and murky and confusing. It all finds clarity and understanding. Jesus is the wisdom of God. Jesus is the glory of God. Jesus is the image of God. And so our passion here at Church Home is in fact, and I know it sounds so uh, cute and curt, but to live, love, and look like Jesus. And that leads us to going to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. And you want to talk about a hallmark passage. Anytime you talk about the image of God, listen to this verse. And we all, and we all, oh, I love the we language, that's community language, that's interconnected language, that's relationship language. We all, in relationship, with unveiled face, behold and are beholding the glory of God. Keep in mind, anytime this is the glory of God, it means the person of Jesus. Together, as a community, in relationship, in families, in friendships, Communities and cul-de-sacs, we are together focusing on Jesus. We're beholding Jesus and are being transformed into the image of Jesus from one degree of glory to another. And I love this. This comes from the Lord who is the Spirit, which is to say it's the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of God who enables us every day to understand Jesus, to see Jesus. Hey, quick caveat. Can I remind you, anytime you go to the holy book, as they call it, anytime you go to the holy scriptures, the the, the objective, the focus, the mandate, what's really important is that you look for Jesus. And I want to remind you, just like 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, it's the Spirit of God that will show you the image of God that is the person of Jesus. So every time we go to the Scripture, we're saying, Spirit of God, show me Jesus. Let me see Jesus. And every time you see Jesus, fresh and new, in a way you've never seen Him before in the Scripture, you are being transformed into that image. Translation, you're going to start to look like Him. More specifically, you're going to love people like him. Also, you're going to begin to prioritize those uh, dynamics of living and caring and loving that Jesus prioritized. That's what it actually means to be transformed into the image. Sure, it might mean maybe a little less nicotine in your life. It might mean, you know, not cussing at people in traffic. Sure, that could be. But... But really, it finds itself in, you know, these heart spaces in our life, like where we spend our money. You know, that scripture that says, you know, where your money is, that really is where your heart is. And so I think there are dynamics of becoming like Jesus that I want to unpack together. Now, I'm going to warn you. I'm just warning you right now, wherever you are in the world watching this, this sermon is going to become gloriously challenging for all of us. Because when when we start talking about becoming like Jesus, I want us to wrap our arms around some of the cultural connotations, or I should say cliches, or more specifically, let me say it like this, kind of what's happening to us now that we say that. Let me give you an example. I've been preaching on a weekly basis now for 23, 24 years, something like that, pretty wild. Uh, Just before I got married, I was preaching every week since I was 19. I'm now 43, forgive me, you know me and timelines and dates. And it's just been a long time. It's been a couple of decades. Now, early on when I was preaching, there was a lot of kind of uh, cliches we used in preaching, right? It's like, let's be obedient, let's honor God, let's be good Christians. And and over a process of time, notice even in my own journey that kind of became like elevator music no one heard it anymore so then preachers like me started to popularize these concepts of let's let's walk with Jesus right let's be Jesus followers let's walk in his footsteps but now fast forward into 2022 can you believe it here we are even those statements now are becoming a little bit typical it's like i just want to i just want to follow Jesus And I guess what I'm saying is that in any lifetime, in any lifespan, if you care about what we're saying and you want your life to have meaning, intentionality and purpose, you gotta take inventory sometimes of the words and the the phrases and the statements that you use and ask yourself, do I even know what that means? Do I even know what that's supposed to actually look like? So maybe you're watching this and you're like, okay, here goes Judah again, talking about let's follow Jesus. And we, we don't even know what that means anymore, right? We're like, oh, I'm just, I'm just following Jesus, right? Now, in the case of what we're studying together in the image of God, another way of saying following Jesus is I want to look like Jesus. I want to reflect his image, right? I want to live, love, and look like Jesus. Now, I want to tell you, I want to warn you, doing this by nature is disruptive. The moment you open, I was going to say your big mouth, but I'll just call it my big mouth because I like to talk, okay? The other day, um, I had to fight through Omicron, and I'm okay, and all is well, um, but I was fighting that version of COVID, and Chelsea said, I knew you were sick because you didn't talk for a day and a half. That's how much I talk, okay? The only indicator that I'm not well wasn't the fever I had. It was that Chelsea was concerned because I wasn't talking very much. So I talk nonstop, and I can't wait to hear what I'm going to say next, okay? Like, I love talking, but sometimes all of the talking, it's like, when is the doing? When is the living? Oh, and by the way, what does the talking mean? So like you, I'm like, I want to be transformed in the image of God. I want to love like Jesus. And frankly, if you're watching this and you're like, I'm not really that into Jesus. I'm not even sure I'm a Christian or whatever this guy's talking about in this turtleneck. Like, I don't know if this is me. Yeah, but the truth is the historical factual figure of Jesus was so compassionate, caring, and loving and considerate of his fellow man. No matter what you believe, I think there's a pretty agreeable space we can meet at. And that is like, being more like Jesus Christ would be good for everyone. Now, for those of us that believe he's the superhero and the savior of the world, and the only one that can forgive us of our error, our wrong, our sin, and our selfishness, nothing is more important than living like him, loving like him, and looking like him. But what does that mean? What does that actually mean? When I say, hey, you are to be the image of God. You actually are. You are an image bearer. You actually have his likeness. You have his fingerprint, his thumbprint on your soul, right? You have been marked by God. You're in his image. We established that at the beginning of the series in Genesis chapter one. How do you properly reflect his image in the earth? Here's the challenge. And here's where the sermon takes a really, really awesome turn, but a challenging one. Here's kind of what begins to happen. We say we want to reflect the image of God. According to 2 Corinthians 3.18, beholding the glory of God, we're being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. God's Spirit does this. But sometimes our grave mistake in this process is we see Jesus in our own likeness or in our own image. Now you've probably heard preachers like me say this before, we make God in our own image. It is quite literally one of the most devastating acts of worship in human history. We start to see Jesus like us, as opposed to transforming into the Jesus we see so we become more like him. So here's my question. I know, I know it's challenging. Is Jesus becoming more like you or are you becoming more like Jesus? Think about it just for a second. I know you're like, oh, what does that even mean? We'll talk about it. Let me ask it again. Is Jesus becoming more like you in your journey or are you becoming more like Jesus? Now, what does that mean, right? How do I know if Jesus is becoming more like me or if I'm becoming more like Jesus? Well. Let me give you two hallmarks of someone who is making the image of God in their own likeness, as opposed to allowing the image of God that is eternal, that is, that is absolutely firm. He is immutable. He never changes. He is who he is, allowing his image to change us. Here's how you know you've made God in your own image. For instance, you rarely change your mind. You rarely change your mind. You rarely disagree with yourself. I am concerned as a pastor, but far more concerned as a fellow Jesus follower that we are not changing. We are not growing. We are not cultivating, right? The word rule over or dominion in Genesis literally means it's a cultivation. Well, cultivation has with it the turning up and over of the soil, a digging up. What happened to the digging up? What happening to the turnover? What happened to the internal divine turmoil that says, oh, I need to change that. I don't believe that anymore. You know what, I was wrong. In fact, I disagree with myself. Are you changing? Are you disagreeing with yourself? I know this sounds silly, but allow me to put it in my own context. Um, I don't plan to post any of my 2005, 2008 sermons on the church home app. We'll do some archives. And I know we posted one from 2017, but don't go too far back now because I have disagreed with myself on a pretty regularly basis. I don't believe that anymore. In fact, I guess I would say in my own personal journey, Right now, I don't know if I can remember a single day in my life recently where I haven't been like, oh yeah, I don't believe that anymore. And I'm not talking about the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ and the life-changing power of Jesus, the only superhero and Savior. Or there are Tenets of the faith that are clearly agreed upon across the different varied expressions of worship amongst Christianity. But for you and for me, am I changing? Am I disagreeing with myself? When's the last time you listened to someone in conversation within community and thought, I didn't know that? And boy, was I wrong. We start talking about racism. We start talking about classism. We start talking about oppression. We start talking about how we have misappropriated dominion. And instead of cultivating the culture and tending our garden, we have so misappropriated it and we are lording ourselves over one another, pretending ourselves to be better than others based on things such as race. This ought not to be, but are we changing? Are we changing? Because that's the work of Jesus. That's the work of the Spirit. How much are you changing? How much are you disagreeing with yourself? One of the things that I think is a huge advantage in marriage, and for all those who aren't married, singleness is a gift, by the way, and you ought to enjoy that. But for those of us that are married, I must admit, my life partner, the love of my life, Chelsea Renee Smith, she loves me, and one of her primary expressions of love is challenging my opinions, my perspectives, and my concepts. And she's really good at it. In fact, Um, Don't tell her I said this. Sometimes she's too good at it. I'm like, can we not do this right now? I don't want to change. I'm tired of changing, right? It's like, you've changed me enough. But, But isn't that the wonderful dynamic in community and relationship where Jesus is present? That we're, the Bible says, ironing, iron, sharpening, iron. What a cool verse, except it's not. What an awesome concept, except I don't like it at all because it insinuates friction. Are we experiencing friction in community? Or is everyone the same at church home? Is there no friction? Where is the friction gone? Where is the cultivation gone? Where is the growth gone? Where is the exhilarating journey of being transformed into the image of God? I mean, these things literally mean you're changing your mind. I mean, let me take it one step further. Do you understand everything about God? If you do, that's the worst kind of theology in the world, the theology that says that you have the divine pegged. You have the divine defined. Ha! Who says that? It's funny in all of my readings and study, which isn't extensive, but it's been my journey. The smarter the theologian, the smarter the scholar, the more exposed and experienced and well-read and 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 and, and, and well-versed thinkers, writers, scholars, theologians, communicators. I have noticed the smarter they are, the less they portray as knowing. In fact. My suggestion would be the further you get into your relationship with God, the further you understand, you know, next to nothing. Who is this God? He is unsearchable. He is inexhaustible. How can we say we know for sure this and this and this? Oh, no, it's it's the ever revealing. It says we're being transformed in the same age from one degree of glory to another. Isn't that beautiful language? From one degree of glory to another. And it sounds so celestial. It sounds like we glide over the concrete and the carpet and the grass of life and we're just being transformed. No, it, it literally means we're being challenged. It literally means we got to have that awkward moment with loved ones and friends and community members and, and buddies where we go, I didn't know that. Wow. This is kind of embarrassing. I never knew that about God. I never knew that about history. I never knew that about the church. I never really knew that about the gospels. I never knew the meaning of that word was this. There's a a challenging that ought to be going on in our life. One of the ways we know we have made God in our own image is that we're never changing our mind. We're never changing our mind. Implicit in the New Testament language is this concept that every verse you read is challenging you and changing you. I want life with Jesus to be a discovery of things I don't know. Because this I know. I know so little about God. And I hope that you crave and I crave to know more. Oh, church, there is so much more to know about the ways of Jesus and how Jesus lives. Can I give you another indicator that you and I might be making God in our own image? It's not only that we just don't, we never change our mind, but we never change our plans. We never change our plans. Are your plans changing? I love that scripture and it's an ancient proverb and maybe it's a little out of context, but I'll throw it in here because it's one of my favorites. Man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Another verse that we've put put flowers around and we've made so beautiful and wonderful and poetic. But what it means is there's a real intersection that happens in your life where your plans are completely contradicted by God's next step for your life. And you're like, God, I had a plan. And he's like, I know it's so adorable. I want you to take this next step. And you're like, I will change my plan if you show me the whole plan. And God's like, no, I'm just gonna show you the next step. And you're like, yeah, but my plan had me stepping this way. And he's like, yeah, and my entire vast perfect knowledge of the whole universe known and unknown and the reason that i have designed you and made you and perfectly positioned you and postured you and made you who you are and put you where you are in linear time and space is because i have a much bigger grand plan so take the next step can i ask you i told you this would be a little challenging when's the last time you took a step you didn't really want to take but you took it because you know god wanted you to take it you know what? No, I'll say it like this. When's the last time you took a secure step, but you were scared? That sounds like faith to me. Someone said, in the Christian faith, we're always secure, but we're never safe. We're never safe. we didn't sign up for safe. I think one of the aversions we have particularly for those who maybe haven't experienced racism? Maybe you're like me, you're a white American, and sometimes it seems like racism, is that really still prevalent? And you have to own and I have to own that in our journey in this country, having light melanin in your skin has allowed you to oftentimes not even experience a system of oppression based on race. And so racism is introduced maybe by your pastor, maybe in a series during Black History Month in this wonderful country as we are celebrating the painful, beautiful, miraculous history within this country of black and brown men and women. And maybe you're watching this kind of going, well, I don't, is, this, is this really relevant? And what's happening right now is You're changing, you're growing. But you know what's interesting, we have an aversion to this. We're like, well, I don't don't wanna change. In fact, we have a cultural concept here that's like, don't you ever go changing. Don't you change on me. In fact, one of the great critiques you can tell your friends is you've changed. You've changed. My response is, oh, I certainly hope so. Change is implicit in following Jesus. In fact, I would argue if you're not changing, are you following? Because the more I follow him, he steps in directions in left to my own self, my own nature. I wouldn't step that direction. I just want to be surrounded with the known, the comfortable, the predictable, what I think is and perceive to be safe. And yet Jesus invites us to this adventure that says, I will make you secure in my love, but I've never guaranteed you safety. Take the next step. So I ask you, is your mind changing? Is your plans changing? Then you must be following Jesus. Now, I'm not here to say the exact timeline of your changes. I love the one translation of 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, gradually we are being changed. Gradually, it's day to day is the point. It's not that we're promoting slow change because there's some things we can't wait any longer, things that have to change. But I say as the community of faith, we ought to be the tip of the spear of the changing of this country and countries around the world so that we might look more like the world that Jesus designed and intended. Are you changing? I know, I know I didn't, I didn't see it coming either. We're doing a study on the image of God, and a lot of what it comes down to is if you're becoming more like Jesus, it means you're changing. One, trans, one, one scripture says it's the renewing of your mind. Again, it's another beautiful piece of language. It's like, oh, I, I'm in for the renewing of my mind. That means the changing of your mind. And of course, insinuated in that is this idea of kind of like walking in this posture of humility and saying, I didn't. I didn't know that. I never knew that about Jesus, and I want to become more like him. You know, before we go any further, I want to stop and just make an observation. Dr. Tisby shared this scripture, talked about how Jesus said his posture as he approached humanity was not to be served, but to serve. Not to be served, but to serve. I want to connect that with a scripture to whom much is given, much is required. And I want to speak directly to the United States of America and people within our church who live within this country. And I believe this is a safe application and an important one. So please hear me out. I truly believe when you look at the systems of this country, which we are saying, they don't all line up with the kingdom of God. And so what we are is we're tellers of a story of redemption, reconciliation, healing. Jesus is a leveler. For those of us that have experienced privilege because of the systems set up in this country, I believe it is our honor to understand the responsibility we have to humble ourselves and to lead the way in servanthood so that this nation and the nations of the world can experience healing through the streets of its city like roaring rivers and waterfalls of reconciliation and life and healing and health. I guess I'll say it like this. If you're being transformed in the image of God, there ought to be a lot of humbling moments. God, who am I that you would include me My highest honor is to serve my fellow man, serve my fellow man. The truth is, the whole goal here is that we're changed into his image, not changing him as if we could, changing the divine into our image. And yet we persist and try, sometimes intentionally, but sometimes out of ignorance and indirectly, unintentionally, We allow Jesus to simply agree with everything we believe and everything we see. And I love you, church, and this is why I say it's one of the more important concepts we've ever approached together. I love you enough to tell you, Jesus disagrees with you. And if Jesus hasn't disagreed with you lately, I wonder if you're only listening to your own thoughts. Jesus has something to say. And what I love about Jesus is He always says things. His tone is divine. His word is always life-giving. And though it challenges, and though it corrects, and though it trains, it always comforts and encourages and gives you a sense that you can continue to change and become more like Him. I'm going to end in a few moments but I want you to digest a portion of scripture just a few chapters later in 2 Corinthians 5, 14. We're gonna read all the way to verse 21 and I want you to soak this in. And what I'm asking you to soak in is from this perspective the, um, the magnitude of how deeply God is changing us from the core of our being. We are being changed. We know so little about God, so little about Jesus and his ways, but every day we're learning and we're changing cultivating and growing. Listen to these words. A firm decision is to work from this focused center. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone can also be included in his life, a resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. Because of this decision, we we don't evaluate people by what they have, Or how they look. I got to read that again. Because of this decision, because of this transforming work, because of this change that's happening on the inside, we've changed our evaluation of one another. We don't evaluate based on what you've done, what you've accomplished, how many followers you have, your success, what you have, or how you look. We look at the Messiah, we looked at the Messiah that way once and we got it all wrong. As you know, we certainly don't look at him that way anymore, merely after the flesh. Now we look inside and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created brand new. Please hear me, church home. The old life is gone. There is a letting go of the old interaction, the old way of relating, the old criteria for relationships. I just want to be with people who look like me. I want to be within the same culture. I want to only recognize and celebrate people within my own ethnicity or in my own political party. That old life is gone. Hey, that old life is gone. That old way of evaluating and categorizing and and, and 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 no, that's that's gone. There's a new life now. Look at it. All this comes from God, who settled the relationship between us and Him. He settled the relationship between us and Him. And then what did He do? He He called us to settle our relationships with each other. Oh, how all the emails I've received. Oh, pastor, don't talk on racism. Oh, pastor, don't talk. Don't get political. Oh, my brothers and sisters, long before the United States of America was ever a country, long before racism, which is simply an oppressive system based on race, was instituted in this country, this scripture was already written. He has called us to settle our relationships with each other. We are to see one another as brothers and sisters. We are in fact one of another. We are a family. We make up the family of God. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the entire world a fresh start by offering the forgiveness of sins. God has now given us the task of telling everyone what he's doing. But did you hear? What he's doing is not just saving us from our sins. He's making a new world. It's a new world order. Romans says it's a one new man. It's one new family. It's the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of heaven coming to earth. And now all the tribes and all the tongues and all the languages and all the backgrounds and all the cultures come together. And we don't lay down our ethnicity. We don't lay down our culture. We don't lay down our background, but we bring it together and we add it so that the divine portrait of God can be seen through his children and in his church and through the people. These lines we have drawn are not from God. They're the traditions and making of man. So now our task, as is my task, I am not bound to the emails I receive. I'm bound to the book I read. And the book I read says, Judah, it is your task at church home to tell everyone what God is doing in the earth. And what is he doing in the earth? God is using us to persuade men and women to drop their differences. Those differences have nothing to do with your God-given culture, ethnicity, proximity. It means the traditions and things you hold dear. We lay them down to be left only with the priority and primary focus of God, which is the kingdom of God, the person of Jesus, the image of God, and relationship with one another. So we drop our differences and we enter into God's work of making things right between us. It's called the ministry of reconciliation. And you know what? We're all called to that ministry. We're speaking for Jesus himself now. When we say, become friends with God, he's already a friend with you. And the only response to that is become friends with one another because you are divinely divinely orchestrated by God, that you would be in relationship with one another. I can't help but say, did that change you? Did the reading of the scripture, and it ends with saying, how will this happen, you ask, in Jesus? Because God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong, so we could be put right with God. Oh, the man who has been made right with God, becomes preoccupied with experiencing that same rightness with his fellow man. Can we not see it? That the gospel is a leveler by definition, and yet we either ignore, sometimes promote, and celebrate these man-made levels. And specifically, there was levels instituted, classes instituted by man, not God, that was merely based on race and ethnicity, and it persists today. And it is unbiblical, and it's not the gospel. And you and I could sit down, and we could discuss all of the disparity and the disgust of these systems, or we could say, let's build another one right in the middle of it. And you know what that system's called? The Church of Jesus Christ. It's the system instituted by God. One family, one church, made up of all of His children. And that's the vision of church home. And I end with this thought, and I have so much more to say, and I'll probably do another sermon on this. But I believe in the information age, we find ourselves at quite an impasse. And here's what our relationship with God is to be. It is to be an integration. Hear me out, it is to be an incarnation. Incarnation, for those who are familiar with biblical terms, is this idea that God became man. Incarnation means the embodiment of. Do you know the objective of God and your relationship with him is that you would embody the ways of Jesus, the values of Jesus, the systems of Jesus. The perspective of Jesus. And yet, in the information age, we have allowed information to replace incarnation. And now we think, because I know it, I must be about it and do it. If I post about it, I've done it. I urge you, church home. No. The incarnation is a very spiritual journey. Implicit within that incarnation is transformation. That's how it happens. And what is transformation? It's a continual change. Are you changing? Are we changing? Are we surrounding ourselves in environments where we'll never have to change? Are your plans changing? See, I must admit something. The plans of this church has changed. Have you noticed? They've changed. Why has it changed? Because my mind's changed. Because the elders' minds have changed because we're becoming more like Jesus. And we can no longer just sit back and hope that people come to our buildings. We must go to people all over the world and we must meet them where they are. So our plans are changing because we're being transformed. Are your plans changing? Oh, how my plans changed when God said, I want you to take your kids and put them in the public school system in Los Angeles. That was so abrupt that I went to the Board of Elders at this church and I said, what do you think? And to my shock, they prayed and came back and said, it's God, you have to do it. You know how many times people have challenged me? What are you doing? And my answer is following Jesus. He's changing my mind. He's changing my plans. And I hope the same is happening to you. Again, I'll say it succinctly, being transformed into his image funny because we say these things, like, yeah, I want to be more like Jesus. Be careful what you wish for because with it will come a lot of disruption. Disruption for disruption's sake has never ever brought a lot of lasting, significant, sustainable change. But the disruption ordered by the divine. Do you know two times Jesus threw furniture around in the established synagogue or church because he's changed. He's changing us. This series was not a mere exchange of information. We are promoting incarnation. Are you becoming more like him? And I I have so much more to say, and we'll talk more about this. I'll do another sermon. But um, one of the ways I know the incarnation, the embodiment of the ways and values of Jesus, is my money's affected, my mind's affected, What matters to me seems to be adjusting. What's a priority to my family seems to shift. And you go to bed at night going, God, what are you doing? And then somehow there's this deep spiritual comfort that says, I'm changing you. I'm changing you. If you don't want to change, church home is not your church. I love you. If you're looking for a pastor who agrees with himself his entire career of preaching, I'm not your preacher. We're changing. Oh, there are things that are unchangeable. Born of a virgin, sinless and perfect, the righteous God of the ages revealed his fullness in the person of Jesus who lived amongst us, died a sinless death, buried in a rich man's tomb, rose again on the third day, appeared to hundreds of people and ascended into heaven and promised he would return again. Those things never change, but we do. And my passion is that we will continue to change. So I wanna pray with you. I um, find myself in an interesting spot and that is um, I feel your heart. I filled my heart. And nobody ever said change was easy. And I'd like to say that Jesus said his yoke was easy, but he never said the path was easy. He never promised ease, comfort, or safety, but he promised security. He promised proximity, his presence. We're changing. If you feel a little bit like, what am I gonna do? Let me pray for you. Listen to me. It's his spirit. He's doing it right now. I don't know who I'm talking to, but, um, and I get emotional, but I think there's a dad watching this right now. And I think God's changing you, sir, on behalf of your marriage and your children. There's some jokes you gotta never tell again. And there's some conversations you need to have and there's some forgiveness that you need to ask for and it's not just you know dads are not the only ones moms but I just think that I don't know who you are out there but I want you to know that God told me to tell you his grace is sufficient just live today there are some traditions and customs you've been given sir and you've been translating them their children to your children and they're not the gospel God's going to help you change He's faithful. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for this church. Oh, how you have changed us. I don't even recognize church home anymore. You're changing us so much, becoming more and more like you. And so on behalf of the eldership, the leadership, the beautiful volunteers, and the members of this church all over the world. We say, your kingdom come and your will be done. I say it again, God, not my will be done, not the board's will be done, your will be done and your kingdom come. We wanna look like you. If you're here and you're watching this sermon and you would like to receive the free gift of forgiveness that only Jesus makes available, for he who knew no sin became sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you'd like to receive that free gift of forgiveness, guess what? All you gotta do is accept it, not earn it. If you'd like to receive it, say this with me right now out loud. I receive you, Jesus. That's it, say it again. I receive you, Jesus. You said you didn't do, I have to say that. You don't have to, but I believe when you say it out loud, It resonates with the deepest part of your soul that what's happening to you right now is divine. It is eternal. It's real and it's spiritual. You'll never be the same. Welcome to God's family, God's kingdom. Church home, church home is for everyone. And we're gonna continue to change, continue to grow. God's gonna continue to disrupt our plans so that we can be the kind of church that lives, loves, and looks like Jesus. I love you, church home. We'll talk real soon.